and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, we've been losing games. I mean, there's no secret. You're always you're always concerned when you lose games, but you know, I look at the standings and the parity across the league, and you talk about teams being you know three games away from the four seed. It's there's a lot of parity, and so you just have to continue to try to win games. But I'm not like ringing alarm bells. Yeah, uh, we have to get healthy. We get Devin back, um, but until we do that, until Devin's back, we just got to be better. Suns GM James Jones on the Burns Gambo Show this week. Uh, the Suns are currently on a one, two, three, four, five game losing streak. They've lost eight of their last. I always nine. get nervous when you have to count more than I expect you to count. <laughs> you always get nervous when I have to do math. It's on like, the show. oh my gosh, they've lost more than two games in a row. Oh gosh, what is happening? It's not very on brand. I'll admit that for no. the uh, Phoenix Suns. They currently sit in the what is it, the ninth spot in the West. Not currently in the playoff picture. Twenty and twenty. They're a five hundred ball club, and you lose Chris Paul. Campaign. Cam Johnson's been out for several weeks. Uh, DeAndre Ayton not playing up to potential. Macal Bridges not stepping up. Devin Booker's out, by the way. He's your best player by far. Uh, Jay Crowder sitting on his couch, not really doing anything for this team. Doesn't want to be a part of this team. I don't even think he wants to play basketball. I think he does. Hot take. I think he does. Wait, why would you say that? Well, if he wanted to play basketball, he'd probably be playing basketball by now. You know, for the team that's employing him. I think he just doesn't want to play for the Suns because they I, – I think this is what happened. I think in the offseason they came to him and they said, Cam Johnson's going to be a bigger part of this team. We're going to start him at the four. You're going to be moved to the bench. You're going to play a pivotal defensive role. You'll still get some of your three-point shots, but you're not going to be the starting power forward on this team anymore. I think that's what they told him. And I don't have any information on this. I'm not reporting anything, certainly. I just think that that's probably the most likely scenario. He got butthurt about it because he came to Phoenix on, what was it, a three-year contract? Three and 30. He came to Phoenix with the assurance that he was the missing piece, that he was going to bring the NBA Finals experience, the playoff experience that he has, the toughness, the defense. He was going to bring something the team didn't have. And so it sucks to be told you're no longer the starter. You're no longer what we needed you to be a year ago. We've got another guy that we're trying out. And I think that's what happened. And I think he got butt hurt and he was like, well, I'm going to go play for somebody who wants me to be a starter. How about another hot take? It was too soon to move Cam Johnson into the starting lineup. You think they should have just kept rolling the way they were? You don't have to have Jake Crowder close every game. You can have him start. But if you're in a situation like this, man, would I love to have Cam Johnson off the bench to give that team a boost right now. Yeah. This this bench has been so inconsistent all year long. And they haven't really done anything to address it because they just figured that Jay Crowder would be the replacement. But guess what? You're moving a top scorer into a lineup with a bunch of other top scorers. And you're moving the dude that really, really struggled in the playoffs to score a basket to a bench group that... Also really, really struggles to score a basket. I don't understand the correlation, or I don't understand why you would make that make sense. It's revisionist history, but and maybe it's completely futile to have this conversation, but if you could go back and Jay Crowder says to you, pretend you're James Jones, I guess, or Monty Williams, okay. I, want, I want to be traded. I don't want to move to the bench. I want to be a starter. Could they, should they, have looked Jay Crowder in the eye and said, okay, you know what? 
We'll do what you just suggested, Mitch. We'll we'll, we'll start you, Jay, and the minutes might be a little bit more even than mm-hmm. they were in the past. You're not playing 35 minutes. You're not playing 30 minutes. You're playing 24 minutes, and Cam's going to play the other 24 to 30 minutes. And obviously, they, they can switch out with Mikel and all that stuff. Could they have done that to satisfy Jay Crowder? I don't know what he wants, yeah. but I think he wants to be a starting caliber player on a, on a good team. Should just make changes as the season goes on. JaVale McGee was signed to a three-year contract this offseason by Dallas. He was promised the starting job. He got garbage minutes against Boston the other night. Garbage minutes against Boston in a game they were losing by 30. He's not starting. He's not in rotation anymore for Dallas. If Jay Crowder becomes a problem, move him away from being that problem as the season carries on. Don't do it before the season starts. It's it's saving Collins and Jordan Hicks all over again in a different vein because Jordan Hicks took it like a man and went out there and played his ass off for 16 games, 17 games, excuse me, and he turned it into a good payday with Minnesota this offseason. That's true. Good for him. Whereas you've pushed this guy to the limit, essentially, or you've upset this man who very much could help you right now to the point that you're now halfway through this season and he's still sitting at home getting $10 million. You've done nothing to address this problem. And now the problem is staring you right in the face. And until you do something to fix it, this problem is not going to get better. I'll elaborate on the problem. Because the problem is much bigger than Jay Crowder, right? Like it's, It is much larger than Jay Crowder, yes. The problem is much bigger. The problem is now you have no primary ball handlers. And this is something that uh, the guys on the Empire of the Suns podcast, Kellen Olson and Kevin Zimmerman, have been talking about for over a year. Yes. Uh, since beyond last postseason. Is that you had Chris Paul, who was starting to show his age in last year's off, uh, postseason. And part of that was age, but also maybe he was sick, uh, whatever. Since coming back, he has not looked very great. He's getting better. He's starting to play more like the normal Chris Paul, but it's still not making up for the losses that they've had. So without Chris Paul being there, because he got injured last night, with campaign missing all the time that he has so far this season and then re-aggravating yesterday, with Devin Booker being out, you can't run point book, as we so affectionately call it. Mm-hmm. Who is your primary ball handler right now? It's Dwayne Washington Jr., who I don't think scares anybody. Doesn't scare anybody, but he's been... He's been pretty good. A nice contributor. Yeah, I'm happy with his performance as a third point guard and filling in in the backup role with campaign There's nobody in this lineup that just scares the opponent anymore. There's no backup. There's no fear. There's no backup. Who's nothing. Who's the backup ball handler behind Dwayne Washington Jr.? James Jones. (laughs) Apparently. I mean, literally, the only other guard on the roster is Damian Lee. And he's more of a shooting guard. You've got Shamit. Shamit's not a more ball of a shooting handler. guard. He's more of a shooter. Yeah, who's distributing this basketball? Devin he, Booker does some of that too when he plays, but hey, he ain't playing. Look, this might be reaching, but Kemba Walker just got waived. Okay, uh, depending ten days. on the, depending on the price, that could be an option. Ten days, a ten day contract. Ten days. Ten days. I don't hate it. Because of the situation that they're in. He's a former... Was, he, was he an all-star? I former all-star with uh, Charlotte. Yeah. And I think Boston, too. Okay. But then he, the New York Knicks season happened where he basically lost his spot. This offseason, they moved him to OKC. OKC eventually cut him. 
The Mavs picked him up. He only lasted a couple weeks. I don't hate it. 10-day contract. That's all you need. I don't hate it, but I always like to remind people in sports that there's a reason that guys are available. There's a reason Dallas cut bait with him so quick. There's a reason he didn't cut it in Oklahoma City. But you know who else doesn't have anybody available right now? The Suns. The Suns. Yeah. So they need someone who is available. It is 10-day contract, like that part of the season where you start thinking about that. Like, it's worked out for them in a couple of scenarios. This Mac Biombo. This Mac Biombo is the perfect example. It's worked out in other places, too. It's mostly with big men. But another example that I can think of is uh, DeMarcus Cousins with Denver, Davon Reed with Denver. Like, what's the worst thing you can do to throw 10 days at Kemba Walker? He's at least a veteran guy who knows how to handle a basketball. The shooting touch might not be there. The defense might not be there. He also might be looking for more than a 10 He can at least run the floor. Remember, but is he, gonna, gonna, is he going to accept it now that this would be his second team this season? Maybe. I think you start to open up your, you start to move your goalposts a little bit once you've been knocked down a peg. It depends on how much money you've been paid to get cut, too. I mean, guys who get cut and get paid out, you know, they might be willing to take less because they're already making bank off I'm pretty sure the Suns still have their taxpayer mid-level exception. Uh, Yeah, the question is, who do you spend it on? And if it has to be Kemba Walker, are you comfortable with that? I I don't know where they stand on Kemba Walker. Would you give him $5 million? For the rest of this year? I don't know. Feels Uh, like a lot. There's also tax ramifications for the Suns. This is an expensive team. They chose to go all out this offseason and bring DeAndre back, which costs them a lot of money. Chris Paul makes a ton of money. Devin Booker makes a lot of money. Bridges is extended. Cam Johnson is extended. I mean, there's there's a lot of money. Shamit's contract is actually a lot bigger than you would think it is. This is a tax-paying team. Are they really willing to throw another $5 million at a guy who is just going to be like a 10-day guy, potentially? I don't know, man. These are all questions that we're going to have to find out. This team, like we mentioned earlier, they might not be in the position to be adding at the trade no, deadline right, a right month now, from now. you're sellers. You're the one that's offering up a, hey, what do you want for DeAndre Ayton? Hey, what do you want for Jay Crowder? Like, you're kind of... Getting your back stuck against the wall right now. You're cornered. But then you have the point that James Jones made in that clip you just played. There's so much parity right now in the West. Like, if you look at the standings, they may be in ninth place, but they're only a game and a half out of being fourth. They're only six and a half out of first. Yeah, but they're not going in the direction that shrinks that game out. And I still feel confident, fairly confident, that the Suns are a good basketball team when they're all healthy. They're just never all healthy this year. You put all the pieces together right now, and maybe you can even pull off a Jay Crowder trade and get somebody valuable in return. I think that's a really good, possibly even contending team. I'm not willing to trade those pieces away at the deadline because I still feel if they were all together, and maybe they will be come playoffs, they could compete. They're just not at that point right now. Coming up next, the Arizona Cardinals are not the only one with question marks around their head coach and their general manager. What's the buzz going around the league? Who could be the Cardinals' next head coach if they need one? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Ferelvis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sorry, I don't know 
Florida start talking. This is too good. I'm amped. Mitch Farrell, this is Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. I feel like Kratos from God of War. Is this God of War, Trev? Oh, he's not in this interview. Really? Oh, I nailed that. <laughs> I haven't played that in like 10 years. Ah, what a least. great franchise that is. Um, Where were we? God, Cardinals. I'm talking about that. the Cardinals. You know what? Actually, let's not talk about the Cardinals for a second. Let's just appreciate the work that Trevor's putting in. For like, for like, uh, when do we have to go to break? Awesome video games. When do we have to go to break? Ten more minutes? Let's just talk about Trev for ten more minutes. No, I'm kidding, of course. So the Arizona Cardinals. This is not official. This is not me reporting anything. This is just speculation to the highest degree. Okay. The assumption is that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be gone in some way, shape, or form after this weekend. Right? Certainly possible. It feels that it's trending. Feels likely, almost. There's a couple of roadblocks in the way. Uh, the first and biggest elephant being that he signed a five-year extension this past offseason. That hasn't even kicked in yet. He's in year one. Also, I found out yesterday from Gamble's reporting, it has an option year at the end. <laughs> like in addition to yeah. or just the last year so is an option? So five years and then there's an option year. <laughs> For a six. Additionally. Oh, boy. <laughs> Gotta be I'm just going to go out on a limb and say we're not picking up that option. Oh, just going to go out on that limb. Steve Kime also got a five-year extension this offseason. I wonder if he got an option near two. I don't know. Um, he's been gone for the last four weeks uh, taking a medical leave or a health leave, I should say. I don't – terms. Uh, it's a health leave of absence. Health. I wonder if those options were to help line up with Kyler's contract. Because wasn't Kyler's a year longer? Maybe. But you got to remember, they did the extension for the coach and GM way before they finalized the. Well, so Kyler's getting Kyler. Kyler's getting year one of his extension this year. Same yeah. for Cliff. Same for. Okay, Steve. so the extensions have already started. Yes. Oh, see, I thought they hadn't even kicked. They're all yet. this year. Yeah, I was mistaken on that too. But Kyler wasn't going to play for five million, and so now he's getting like twenty. Anyway, there's some roadblocks in the way before you go forward with trying to woo a new head coach, trying to woo a new GM. Hell, how many how many how many redos of this house are you going to do? How much remodeling are you going to do of this house if you're Michael Bidwell? Are you going to just remove the coach? Are you going to just remove the GM? Are you going to promote within? Are you going to go outside and just restock and restructure? Basically start all over? Are you going all um what's the show where they buy a rundown house, they destroy it and then they rebuild it to look better? Oh, like a, like a flipping show? Yeah, like flip or flop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. This feels very flop right now. Can you flip it? I see. I've been wondering this for a couple of weeks, and really ever since the firing of Steve Wilkes after a single season as head coach in Arizona. What is Michael Bidwell's reputation around the league? And you might say, "Well, I, I don't really care. It's not my money. It's it's not my team. I don't really care who the owner is, as long as they do what's best for the team and winning." And I would agree with you on that, except that. Owners care about what the other the other owners and the commissioner and the league think of them. Yeah, they care about what their employees think of them, and that's players, that's managers, uh, that's coaches, that's GMs. What is Michael Bidwell's reputation? Because he did decide after Bruce Arians uh, retired, essentially, or whatever, retired, he did. retired, retired, and then unretired. When he left. The, I think the idea all along was that Todd Bowles would take over. I mean, it, it had a similar vibe to what we feel about Vance Joseph. A lot of people think like, well, Vance Joseph could step in and be the head coach. But that doesn't really happen in the NFL very often where a coach is up and coming and then the main coach leaves and then the other one gets promoted from within. That doesn't happen all that often. No. 
So Todd Bowles obviously leaves for New York. I can't remember the timing of that, but Steve Wilkes becomes the head coach. Michael Bidwell makes that hire. And then within only a year, and they had a terrible year, don't get me wrong, one of the worst we've ever seen from the Cardinals, maybe the only one worse than this one. And he fired Steve. I think he had a, what, four-year contract, probably? Probably. There's a hit to your reputation that you take as an owner when you fire someone that quickly. Because other coaches who might want to come and work for you, do they really want to work for the guy who cut bait with a coach after one season? I think I think that scenario was a special exception. And look, we're obviously looking at this in hindsight and looking what Steve Wilkes is doing with the Carolina Panthers team for this past half of the year. Good point. But that was an unwinnable situation. If you kept him, then you're probably going to keep going down a losing path. And if you cut bait, then you can at least say, hey, it was very obvious that this was not going to work, and we're going to try again. Now, where it looks optically bad is trying to find the correct phrasing, but we both know that the Rooney rule exists Yep. to give minority, African-American, different uh, races of head coaches opportunities in this league. Steve Wilkes is a one-and-done as a black head coach. It does kind of look off on the resume. Yeah. At the same time, Michael Bidwell and the Bidwell family have been applauded for their diversity hires in sure. the years that they've owned the Cardinals. Sure. I mean, look at the two guys that are currently the general managers of the Arizona Cardinals. Right. Uh, look at Vance Joseph being essentially the second-in-command uh, in terms of coaching. I would agree on that. I, I, that hasn't been my ma- major concern. The concern is that there's a pattern, and it's not just Steve Wilkes. It's Mike McCoy getting fired seeming, seemingly a couple of weeks into that season. Now, he earned it. That offense was terrible. Yeah. Steve Wilkes earned it. That team was terrible. But at the same time, they didn't get a long leash. And they probably didn't earn the long leash, but you still can't argue they didn't get it. Then on top of that, if you fire Cliff Kingsbury in the first year of a five, was it five-year extension? Five. Five plus one. <laughs> if you fire him in the first year of that and you fire Steve Kime in the beginning of his contract extension, now you have a, now you have a reputation. Now you have a pattern of four coaches in the last five years that you've let go of way early. And think back. The Sean Payton cut from the Ryan Rosillo podcast we hit on a few weeks ago. He said his biggest thing is ownership stability rather than quarterback. Why is it not that you're winning that you're not winning this past year, but why aren't you winning in the last 50 years? Right. Why are you not improving or showing that pattern of success rather than, oh, they're on their like sixth head coach in the last 15 years? Now, I believe that Sean Payton, because of his track record and winning a Super Bowl and all that stuff, he carries a certain amount of weight where there's no scenario I can foresee where he comes in to be the head coach and gets cut after a year. That's a guy who appreciates stability. But imagine that the Cardinals can't get Sean Payton for whatever reason. Maybe they don't want to give up the draft picks. Maybe they don't want to pay for him, all that stuff. Now you're looking at hiring an up-and-coming coach. I'm just throwing out random names. Eric Bieniemy or uh, one of the coordinators for, I don't know, San Francisco. Can I cut or, you off, actually? Okay, go ahead. Is that even the direction you want to consider? Not necessarily, but it might be the only one left to you. If you can't get an experienced head coach that you want, you might have to pick from the rest. The same way they did with Cliff Kingsbury. Touché. The same way they did with uh, Steve Wilkes. They did not pick for the re- from the rest from Cliff Kingsbury. Well, he came Cliff from Kingsbury college. was the first head coach hired that offseason. 
They did not pick from the rest. I don't remember who else got hired that offseason that would have been like a... Uh, Give me a moment. Okay, you look at that. But my point simply is they may not be in the Sean Payton sweepstakes. And if they're not, they might have to pick an up-and-coming coach. That's typically who gets hired as coaches. The ones who are fired get picked first, and then the ones who are up-and-coming. And if you're hiring an up-and-coming coach and you offer him a four-year contract or a five-year contract, which is what it takes to hire a head coach these days, by the way, what's the guarantee in that guy's head? Maybe it's Eric Bieniemy. This is his first head coaching job. What's his guarantee that you're not just going to cut him loose after a year? You kind of have that reputation now in Arizona. It doesn't mean that Michael Bidwell is a bad guy or that he's a bad boss or that he handles things the wrong way. It's just he has a quick hook. And that's a reputation. That's word that spreads around the NFL. Do you want to even talk to the Cardinals if you're looking for your first head coaching gig? Plus, on top of that, you have a quarterback who's not going to be able to play at all during the offseason. Possibly going to miss the first portion of the next regular season. This list is in alphabetical order, so I don't. Okay. I cannot guarantee that Cliff was the first, but I highly remember him being an early hire in that offseason. Cliff Kingsbury to the Cardinals. Zach Taylor to the Bengals. Freddie Kitchens to the Browns. That lasted one year. Yeah. Vic Fangio to the Broncos. Matt LaFleur to the Packers. Brian Flores to the Dolphins. Adam Gase to the Jets. And Bruce Arians to Tampa Bay. Was that Adam Gase's first head coaching gig or was second? Second. Miami was hired away from Miami. So So Gase was really the only established. Of that, no, Bruce Arians. Oh, sorry. Arians was at the top. Of that quartet. Zach Taylor has been to a Super Bowl. Matt LaFleur has been to three consecutive NFC Championship games. And Bruce Arians won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but you weren't getting Arians. From the Cardinals' perspective, you weren't getting Arians. You weren't going to get him back, but it, no. it looks terrible in hindsight. No, but he wasn't an option for them. You see what I'm, You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you want to go back to the year before, too? Because I saw names like Mike Vrabel was hired the offseason prior when they hired Steve Wilkes. Yeah, but they did. Oh, uh, yeah. John Gruden was hired. Vrabel didn't have a previous head coaching experience. Although Gruden though, right? has a just, blah, thing. Um, no, Vrabel did not have any previous experience. That's an up-and-coming coach. You see Frank, what I mean, though? Frank like, Reich was hired that offseason. On any given offseason, you might have one or two coaches who get fired You that might have only experience. have three hit. Yeah, exactly. And you're picking from the rest. The Cardinals are very rarely at the top of the list of organizations that those coaches would want to play uh, coach for. But also think about the success they had hiring Arians. That was the last pick. Arians right? was, but Arians, Arians was an up-and-coming coach when they hired him. I'm just, it's okay. He was an interim All right, in Indy. You got me there. But here's what I'm emphasizing here. You don't have to be first to be right. I agree with that. You do not have to be first to be right. But now you're in a situation where you absolutely, if you're going to make the hire that comes from less experience, you absolutely have to get it right. If not, you need to get someone that knows exactly how to properly run Kyler's offense. That's it. Coming up next, we can all kind of agree that the Suns need to do something, right? They need to make some sort of trade before the deadline. But what is that acquisition? Who is the player right now that's going to fix what's going on? We'll try to figure that out next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We can all admit, the Phoenix Suns need to do something. This team is slipping right now. I feel like I'm giving a... 
this big rallying speech. They so they so they rolled the dice on shoots and ladders, and they landed on the biggest shoot on the board. But they're not all the way at the bottom yet. They're still they're still going. They're still going down this big old shoot. Is this a reference? I don't get. I honestly have no shoots idea and ladders. You don't know the board game? I mean, I know the board game. Did that have anything to do with the music that was just playing? No, that oh, was okay. Uncharted. Oh. What I was referring <laughs> See, I didn't know that either. What I was referring to was you're saying they're sliding, yeah, and they I'm are. saying we rolled the dice, and they landed on the space that has the biggest shoot. They're on the longest slide, yes. And they're going from, like, space 76 all the way down to 33. What but they're not it? all the way back at 33 yet. What was it? Five losses in a row. Some of them bad, by the way. You Eight of nine. You the Knicks by almost 20. All these double-digit losses are bad bad. The Wizards by they're, 25? They're really bad losses. Five losses in a row. They had a win over the Grizzlies in there, which was actually pretty impressive. It was their best game. Uh, and then you've got three losses before that. So lost eight of the last nine games. Really bad skid for the Phoenix Suns. The point I'm trying to get to is, when we've talked about Jay Crowder's situation a lot, where you have this player who doesn't want to play for you, and the Suns reportedly are interested in getting a playoff uh, role player in return. Somebody they can use. Gambo, not just draft picks or whatever. Gambo keeps emphasizing a wing. Yeah. A wing well, guy. What you want in return for Jay Crowder is Jay Crowder. you Because he's the perfect <laughs> fit for yep. the hole that you have. Yep. You need a 3 and D wing player who can fill in for Cam Johnson in the meantime, kind of be a swing player like Mikel Bridges and spell him a little bit. What you need right now is Jay Crowder, but he doesn't want to play for you. So you're trying to trade Jay Crowder for Jay Crowder, essentially. Well, and what makes that so difficult is what team around the league has a player right now where you're like, uh, we're willing to give up Jay Crowder to get Jay Crowder. Well, the Suns sure, are, we'll the, do that. The Suns are actually, if if in my opinion, the Suns are looking for better Jay Crowder. They're well, looking for Jay Crowder who could shoot. Well, there's one guy who I think if you push hard enough and if you get lucky enough, you might be able to get him. Kyle Kuzma. That's the name that gets thrown around a lot right now. Kyle Kuzma, currently a member of the Washington Wizards, currently in the final year of his contract, I believe, for about $20 million or less than that. I think it might actually be 13 Kyle Kuzma is reportedly not going to re-sign in Washington, so he's ultimately going to be an unrestricted free agent in the upcoming offseason. $13 million this season. And so, then next year he has a player option for thirteen, which he would likely decline. Which he's likely think. to decline unless you get him in the right spot, and that right spot could be Phoenix. Here's why: Kyle Kuzma has evolved into a true two-way player. He's pretty solid on defense, and he's doing a lot better at scoring the basketball this year. A really high volume three-point shooter too, which is what the Suns have been desperately needing when. Devin Booker's been out. Chris Paul has been struggling. Cam Johnson has been out. Here's what I find interesting, because our own Kellen Olsen did a piece on this uh, yesterday titled The Best of Both Worlds, Kyle Kuzma's Fit as a Prime Trade Target for the Suns. He used a lot of Hannah Montana lyrics, so if that's not your thing, I'm just fair warning you now. Kellen but would the do piece that. But the piece is really good. There's one part that I slightly disagree with. In the section that he titled, It is so much better because you know you've got the best of both worlds. The very first paragraph. To conclude on Kuzma, let's start with him specifically. If Kuzma arrived in Phoenix, it would have to come with an understanding from him that this would be some version of what happened to him in Los Angeles, reducing his role for the sake of winning. And I kind of disagree right now. 
with that statement. Right now, situationally, the Suns are in position to give him a very big role. That's just it. It's like, we're not going to bring him over and tell him, oh, we're, you're not going to do the stuff that you were doing in Washington. We need you to play behind Booker and Paul. The reason that you're trading for Kyle Kuzma is because telling people that you're playing behind Chris Paul and Devin Booker is why you're in the situation to be trading for a Kyle Kuzma in the first place. Yeah, Kuzma's playing 35 minutes per game this season. He's scoring 21 points per game, which is his highest scoring uh, average of his career. This is his best season He's in his career. got the highest assist totals of his career. He's got the second highest rebounding numbers of his career behind last season. Here's the question, though. If you're Washington and you know that giving Kuzma to Phoenix will be that valuable to Phoenix and that Phoenix is sitting on a player in Jay Crowder who does nothing for them, there's no leverage for the Suns. What are you looking to get back for Kuzma? Because that's clearly the best player in this trade. What about a Jay Crowder does what for you if you're Washington? What about a uh, grumpy center? So you're slightly overpaying for a guy who could walk this offseason. Uh, I'm missing the point. Who are you offering? DeAndre Ayton. You're offering Ayton for Kuzma. Straight up? Or with Jay Crowder? Not straight. Crowder Crowder would be a part of that, and then you would need to get another complimentary piece back from D.C. Yeah, because you've got to match the salaries. Yes. I don't think that works. I don't know if the money works there. Well, so what? It would be 30 from Ayton, 10 from Crowder, so that's 40. And he makes 13. Kuzma. So I mean, you you're way to, off. I mean, you got twenty five million. You need. Okay, to throw so in maybe there. it's not Aiden. Maybe it's like Sharich, who's making nine. Again, what does Washington need Sarich for? It's not what Washington needs. Well, they they're half the equation. They're the one with the best player. They they have all the cards in their hand. They get to decide whether this trade happens or not. If the if the Suns could do that deal tomorrow, where they lose Jay Crowder and get Kyle Kuzma, they would do it in a heartbeat. I have no doubt about that. It takes two to tango. Washington needs to get something out of this. Is it draft picks? Is that what they're interested in right now? Given where the Suns picks are right now, they might actually be a little more intriguing to a team like a Washington. It then becomes a lottery pick if the Suns kind of whiff on this. Yeah, but you're also giving them Kuzma, who in theory makes them a better team, which lessens the value of the draft pick. Kuzma might walk, so that lessens the value of Kuzma. Yeah. I think there's a way that this can work out where you don't have to give up as much as you think, Steve. I know, but... The first and foremost would probably be the upcoming first-round pick that you have. Maybe another. Do you remember how skeptical I was of all the Kevin Durant stuff this offseason? I know Kyle Kuzma and Kevin Durant are very different players. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to equate them. They (laughs) are? But my point is simply, during the Durant discussions, I was skeptical because I was like, what does Brooklyn want DeAndre Ayton for? What does Brooklyn want... Turns out they didn't. (laughs) What do they want Cam Johnson for if they have Durant on a five-year deal or four-year deal, whatever it was? It's the same thing with Washington. What is Washington trying to accomplish? Right now in the Eastern Conference, they're sitting at 11th. They're not very competitive. They're roughly two and a half, uh, one and a half games out of being in the eighth seed. They could make the playoffs. They're not out of it yet. Are they really looking to offload Kyle Kuzma and get back Jay Crowder and Dario Saric? I don't think so. What good does that do then? Well, how soon are they going to accept the fact that they're probably not as good as they think they are? I mean, I mean, you've got that you, might be determined in the next month. I was going to say you've got four weeks to figure out how good of a team you actually are. And although the Wizards handed it to the Suns in the two games that they played against each other, the Wizards are not comparable to the other ten teams ahead of them in the East, in my opinion. 
They might scrap uh, into that Hawks play in. Hawks? Are they comparable to the Hawks? Comparable? I don't think so. Bulls? The Bulls are their own mess, but they have more tenured players. Miami Heat team that just beat the Suns? I think Heat culture. Team. Yeah. Heat culture. Oh, you're relying on the Heat culture. No, I'm not. Okay, Pat Riley. They uh, are. Pacers are the seven seed. Pacers are fun this year, man. Pacers are fun. They have Tyrese Halliburton playing to the level that everybody expected Tyrese Halliburton to play at. The Knicks are in the sixth spot. Knicks are good. It's the Knicks are good, and then everybody above that is better. The Sixers, the Cavs, the Bucks. So the are Nets, the Wizards the really better than any of those ten teams? How about how about just the four teams? Are the Wizards any better than those four teams ahead of them right now? Bulls, Heat, Hawks, Pacers. I say no. Yeah, but I don't the, think Christoph Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma is going to get you there if Bradley Beal's not healthy. But can but can the Wizards sell to their fan base? We're a game and a half out of the playoffs, and we're going to trade away our second best player. Is Kuzma their second best player behind Bradley Beal? I would think Chris Stops okay. this year. Okay. Fair enough. And then Kuzma. But still, to your point, it's not going to sell well to uh, But look, we just got Jay Crowder and Dario Sharitz. We got him in a contract dump. How about that? Huh? I, it's a hard sell. And I, I know, you're right. A month from now, the Wizards might be completely out of it. And maybe it's a different ball game we're talking about. But right now, right here, right now, the Suns have no leverage. The Suns are on an absolute dive bomb well, we of a skid. About it already. They're in a corner. They're stuck. Yeah, they have no leverage. Jay Crowder doesn't want to play for them. You know it's what not it like they're offering a really good player that's playing well for them right now. You know what it is? They didn't do anything to address these problems as soon as they started. They were just calmly, oh, it's okay. We're still winning. Everything's fine. And then Booker went out, and they're like, oh, no, no, it's fine. We'll be okay. And now look where they are. And also, if the Wizards look at Jay Crowder right now and say, he doesn't want to play for the Suns, would he want to play for us? Because remember, Jay Crowder right now doesn't He'd have any leverage there. either. If he gets traded there, though. He'd start. That's but all he wanted, apparently. They're 11th in the East, and you just pointed out that they're not better than anybody above them. Does Jay Crowder want to be on that team? He came to Phoenix because he wanted to win a championship. So then if that's the case, then you become the seller. You're going to be selling to a top team in the East, most likely, giving up Jay Crowder, giving up maybe a Dario Saric, or maybe giving up a Dwayne Washington Jr. who's had a very nice season off the bench. I, you're now in a sell position if you're going to be moving off of Jay Crowder. I have this bad feeling. Call it a bad feeling, the pit of my stomach, that the Suns are going to get less in return for Crowder than what they give up. Okay, how about this? That you lose Crowder, maybe another player, and you're getting a lesser player in return. How about this? Just to get rid of Crowder. You trade Jay Crowder to the Indiana Pacers in some way, shape, or form. Details don't really matter on this. Oh, yeah, they never do to you. They're trading Jay Crowder to the Pacers, and you get back Jalen Smith. (laughs) Sticks? That was obviously a joke. Is he playing well? I don't even know. He's playing okay. All right, well. He's not starting anymore. He's playing okay. Still, you could have had Tyrese Halliburton instead of Jalen Smith. That sucks. When we come back, all the stories that we missed today that we haven't had the chance to dive into, they are still important. You're not going to want to miss this. It's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. It is Footnotes. This is the portion of the show where we wrap things up. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't get a chance to get to, but we had to get to it because it was just too good to miss out on. I just want to start with this because I'm seeing this from the Buffalo Bills official Twitter account from an hour ago. Okay. Per the physicians at UC Medical Center, 
Damar is making continued progress in his recovery, yet remains in critical condition. He continues to breathe on his own, and his neurological function is excellent. So he's he's getting there, but he's not there yet. But still, I've not heard a lot of negative coming out of this story. You know what really hit me earlier this week was when the coach said that the trainer saved his life on the field. Yeah. Like, we all kind of knew that, right? But at the same time, to hear the coach say it, I, I kind of, it's an appreciation for a position that we don't often give the recognition to. Right. Trainers come out on the field all the time, and I feel like we all just kind of like, oh, that guy's got another hammy, or oh, that guy's got something else going on. This guy literally saved his life. Amazing. All the medical professionals that were on the field. Here's what's interesting. How does the, because we on the news station this week, we talked to parents of kids who play football. Okay. And we asked them, does this scary situation, this injury, change your mind about letting your kid play football? Most parents who said they were already letting them, they just said, no, it doesn't change our mind, but it's, it, you know, it's the risk you take. This is what we're here to Some of them said, we don't, we're not going to allow our children to play football going forward. This is kind of the nail in the coffin, so to speak, mm-hmm. with that argument. What is the narrative? How does it change if DeMar Hamlin decides he wants to come back and play football again? Whether it's this season, I don't know if it's possible now because he's on IR. I assume he could come he's, back if they make the Super Bowl, but I don't know. He's done for the regular season as far as I know. But if he wants to come back and if, play next season. Look, I'd be shocked if he plays a football game again this year. I would be too. But what if he wants to come back next year? How does that change the narrative around I don't know. the scares of these types of injuries? I don't know. It's crazy. Something to think about. So that's one football story. Then there's this football story. You knew I was going to squeeze something in about Denver, right? So I'll just read this headline. Broncos replace entire field for season finale as new, as new Denver ownership promises to spare no expense. They replaced it before the last game? Yes. So today. Why didn't they just yesterday? wait until the offseason? Well, here's the thing. Greg Penner, the new CEO of the Broncos, has made it clear that he's going to do anything necessary to get Denver back to being considered one of the dominant franchises in the NFL. I'm skipping ahead. Basically, he was upset with the state of the field. They had high school championships. They had a couple of games going on, a couple of events. So you replace the whole thing. The decision to replace the grass at the cost of $400,000, according to the Broncos, is notable. After all, it's just one game. And the field will end up being replaced again before the start of the 2023 season. Wait a minute. What? Telling example of how the group plans to run the organization moving forward. Okay. At first glance, I was like, 400K, I don't. I have no frame of reference. I don't know if that's a lot for a football field. But uh, your reaction is to, they're going to do it again as soon as this game is done. Yeah. Why would you replace it for one game and then do it again? I mean, credit to the to the management and to ownership for wanting to have as good of a field as possible for your for all of your games. But if you're worried about the sustainability of your field for all those events, don't schedule all those events in your venue. If the high school games are too much for your field and it's tearing up the field, which I can't imagine that they would blame it on the high schoolers, but apparently they are. <laughs> uh, if if that's tearing up your field, then don't schedule all those events. It seems stupid to replace it twice. I don't know. For one event. I don't know. Uh, This breaking news just came down. Um, I don't need the sounder, Trev. We're good. Campaign. Right foot sprain. Will be reevaluated in two weeks. Two weeks for campaign. So kind of like what we talked about earlier. Who are the ball handlers for this team right now? Because I don't expect Chris Paul to be ready tomorrow. Monty Williams ready to play point again? Oh, boy. At this point, that might be an... That might be an option. How many 10-day contracts are signed between now and tomorrow, Steve? 
Uh, I don't think they'll sign anybody. Really? I think they'll just try to figure it out. Oh, no. Sad don't, as that sounds. Don't do that. Please. I'm just saying. Please. Do... Phoenix Suns front office, if you can hear me right now, please do something. I heard James Jones on uh, the afternoon show this week basically say we're, we don't feel we have to make any moves just because of injuries. We make moves for the long-term outlook of the team. That's fine and everything, except there's not a lot of people left to play basketball. There's right no now. term. There's no long. Everybody's out. Help. I hope Payne is able to play in two weeks. Okay. But you said reevaluate in two weeks. He could be out long. I know. It's just brutal. All right. Going to turn back to football real quick because there was one more football story that I had. As you and I both know, J.J. Watt, he has announced his retirement. Dunzo. So this game will be his last tomorrow. And, of course, fans, they like to send fan mail. They like to send their appreciation. Like, wow, J.J., you're so great. Awesome. One fan really went over the top with this gift. I can't, obviously, show the pictures over radio. But a fan sent him a taxidermy badger. I'll say that again. A taxidermy badger. Obviously in honor of his days as Wisconsin. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you ever got in the mail? That uh, you weren't expecting? Have you ever gotten anything weird in the mail? A credit card. <laughs> Bill. I feel like um, I get those all the time. Yeah. Um, I've got two. Gosh, I don't know. I've Go got ahead. Two. Tell me. They're both from NFL players. Wait, wait, wait. You got stuff from NFL yep. players? Okay. Yep. Former NFL players, oh, I okay. should say. Uh, one of them was uh, Mark Schlereth sent me a box of stinking good green chili. Schlereth. And the other one was Daryl Moose Johnston sent me a box of peanut sticks. <laughs> They're like kind of like a dessert. And it was just a box of them. What a guy. Because uh, he and Wolf were on the air talking about peanut sticks. I don't know. It must be a fullback thing. I'm not really sure. <laughs> and uh, That and neck rolls are a fullback thing. And so we were talking about peanut sticks, and I texted uh, Moose, and I was like, what is that? Like, what is that like? And he goes, oh, I'll send you a box. And he mailed it to me. Wow. Not kidding. But you anticipated that to arrive then. Well, I didn't think he was actually going to do it. <laughs> That's the thing. That's great. That's great. I've I never don't... gotten a taxidermied animal, though. No. That, I think that... Kind of takes the what cake in terms of gifts you've received as a taxidermy badger. The what? There's cake. no way. See what I did? I'm going to move on. All right. Um, coyotes. The mullet arena experience you and I were talking about it in the break. If you haven't gone to a game yet and you can, find a way to go. It's an awesome experience. That first and foremost. Secondly, a couple of notes regarding the coyotes. All-star games coming up for them soon. Clay oh, yeah. Keller. We'll be representing again. This is his third trip to the All-Star Game, so wow. congrats to Clayton. Three already. I know, and only like five and years. And he's only 11 years old. <laughs> Sorry. We get it. They're young. Well, no, I mean, he looks like a small child. <laughs> he's no. a great hockey player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying I, to bash a guy. He looks very young. They drafted him when he was, what, 18, 19? Eight, he's, by my math. Stop it. And last night, they played against the Blackhawks. A really good game from Connor Ingram, their goaltender. Yeah. He saved 30 out of 31 shot attempts. Remarkable. That's pretty good. But yet they lost by two. They lost two nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the Yotes lost two nothing, and my immediate reaction was, wait, what? Did he get knuckle pucked? He got no. hit in the head by so, Keenan Thompson, so and then uh, turns, it just went in? Turns out it was an empty netter oh, okay. towards the end of the game. That but makes more sense. I laughed immediately reading the blurb underneath the headline, because I'm like, wait. He saved all but one shot attempt. Where's the other goal? Yeah, how do you lose by two? First of all, can we acknowledge that you need to score more? I mean, sure. if your goaltender is going to put up a game like that, you need to score more. I wonder how you many shot attempts the Coyotes had. I wish I'd have checked coming in. Um, 
NBA All-Star voting. I mentioned Coyotes All-Star voting. NBA All-Star voting. Devin Booker, the only representative of the Suns. He's eighth among the Western Conference guards. Is that higher or lower than you expected it to be? Um, I don't know in comparison to the rest of the league, but I'll say this. Every game that passes that he doesn't play in and they lose just further proves that he deserves to be in the All-Star game. How about this? This team stinks without Devin Booker right now. What if I told you it this way? He's ahead of Austin Reeves. He should be a, He should be in front of Austin Reeves. <laughs> but Austin Reeves is ninth on the list. No. There's there's something oh, I, I didn't gosh. exactly expect. Um, no Pistons, to my knowledge. Sorry, Trev. Um, one other thing. This one's slightly more serious as far as the footnotes goes. Trevor Bauer um, has been designated for assignment by the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, to short story things up. He was taken to court for sexual assault, domestic violence, a lot of very risque stuff. Never convicted. Has been suspended by the league. The suspension has been reinstated. He's eligible to play again, but the Dodgers are not going to have him on their team. They DFA'd him. They have seven days to trade him. Otherwise, he can be released. Listen, convicted or not, guilty or not, the Dodgers don't want to be a part of that nope. narrative. They don't want to be a and part I of that. Them for that. They don't want to employ that person, and they have every right to do what they did. Trevor Bauer tweeted out uh, in response to being let go, essentially, which, by the way, he's going to make $22 million. I don't think he has a if, lot to complain if about. If he gets traded this year. Um, oh, if he if he like signs on with somebody? Well, so I think it's the Dodgers. I think they owe him 22 regardless. The Dodgers will eat that money. Yeah. But he won't get paid that unless he gets traded. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even still, he tweeted out yesterday, funny, the Dodgers came to me yesterday and said they wanted me to pitch for their team, and then today they cut me. Uh, it's just... And I don't know if I believe that or not. It's just very uncomfortable, indeed. All right, we want to thank you so much for checking out the show. Uh, for Mitch Farrell, this is for Trevor Henry behind the glass. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday on the local sports leader.